Welcome back, everybody. We are doing Kapitel Gimel, Bridging All Gaps, The Real Magen David. And I just want to say, uh, I really appreciate everybody's feedback. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at yosefchropper at gmail.com or text me or WhatsApp me at 443-929-1801. I love hearing the Ha'aros and the feedback, and it gives me a lot of encouragement as well that I'm making a difference and impacting people. I want to share with you, this is a very painful uh, Kapitel. Um, as we talked about, we're going to be thematic for the first 72, Bezra Hashem, following the Radak, which is a very, very fascinating way of looking at things. And um, this capital is very, we, we started with the creation of the world, the purpose of creation. We started with challenges of why bad things happen to good people. And then we have David's, perhaps one of his most tragic challenges in all of his life. Mizmar uh, David, Bebarcho, Bipneav Shalom, Beno. You could just feel the raw emotion there. Um, the irony of Mizmar that he's singing about it, which we'll talk about, Chazal addressed that explicitly, but the um, child who was wayward and was trying to rebel against David and literally exploiting all of his connections with David in order to get people to side with him and to ultimately try to overthrow David, which ended up in Avshalom's death, which is, in David's mind, the worst possible outcome. So we're going to talk about a lot of pain in this capital. Um, let me do that first, and then I'll tell you about the Shalshalis found in this capital and some very fascinating things. We open the Psalm 1, focusing on David's life mission, how to have a happy, successful life. Psalm 2 is facing the existential question of why evil exists. And now Psalm 3 discusses King David's suffering, the most painful life experience. His own son, Avshalom, tried to overthrow him in a rebellion that caused great pain throughout the Jewish nation and ended up in the death of Avshalom. Last Psalm, number 2, spoke about Gog and Magog, the nation that will wage war against Hashem before Mashiach's arrival. And thus, this Psalm speaks of a son who rebelled against his own father. And Brachustaf, Yudam and Olive says that that's Kasha Tarbas more than Muhammad's Gogamogog, because this one hurts, this one feels. It's not just a collective pain, it's a personal pain. And ultimately, Gogumogog is a painful thing. It represents the disconnection from Hashem, and ultimately, the greatest tragedy that a parent, Rahman Latsan, experiences is when their child is not following the path of Hashem and is not successful in life which is what we all want for our children. David sang to Hashem as he fled away from his son. Verse 1. How could David compose a song about this tragic event? Should he not be saying lamentations? This is like more in Brachus stuff, 7b um, question. So David's perspective. David recognized that Hashem runs the world, and everything that transpires comes directly from Hashem. Whereas he expressed immense pain and sadness over the events that were happening, which is verse 2, right, where he says explicitly, Hashem, ma rabu tsarei, rabim kamalaya, and look how much pain I have. He prefaced all of his feelings and expressions with an unrelenting connection and dedication to Hashem and to divine justice. Now, there is also a quote in here that David himself, the Gemara says in Brachos explicitly, that of course David was in tremendous pain, but he was just relieved knowing that he was going to have rebellion that, that Hashem promised him. But he didn't know if it would be um, from a slave of his or from a low person who would not have mercy on him. He knew that if his son captured him, it would be a painless death, as crazy as that sounds. But um, So there is a certain relief even in that in that pain. He knew that Hashem was in full control and has a reason, though often unattainable by humans in this world, for all that he does conducting down here in this world. David's calm. David says that he went to sleep that night as per usual, which is in verse 6. David was accustomed to sleep minimally in the early nightly hours, so that he could rise and start his day at midnight to sing the praises of Hashem, Brachos 3b. Malbim points out that had Avshalom listened to the advice of Achitofel and pursued his father that night, he actually would have wiped David out and his entire army, but Avshalom did not do this. David was well aware of his possibility, and nevertheless, he remained calm and collected in this time, in this trying time, and put his full faith in Hashem, who would protect him, which is verse 4. David called Hashem and Magin, a shield, which we'll shift to talk about in a moment. This term has been used in a famous uh, Jewish symbol called the Magin David, the shield of David. Now, the way I do this is when I give the 
Haaras um, and, and, and thoughts, I read through the capital, and then I try to capture what I'm trying to say, and then I say it again as, as a tefillah um, for myself, for the family, for Kali Yisrael, etc. Um, so you might find it useful to be familiar with the Pesukim, or you might find it useful when you look through them on your own. What is the Magin David? Many shuls use the Magin David to signify uh, the, the presence of a Jewish institution. What is this symbol all about? Ramosha Feinstein, actually, in Archaim, uh, volume 3, number 15, explains the Magin David is a symbol made up of two triangles that are laid on top of each other at an angle which makes them six-sided. This, he says, represents the idea that David saw Hashem as the only source of salvation. Now, many people equate it maybe with the Israeli flag or etc., but really it, it way precedes them. Hashem is described as being present in all four directions, north, east, south, and west, and up and down. It's kind of like a lulav, by the way, which is sh shaken in all those directions. David knew that only Hashem would deliver him from all of his enemies and protect him. So therefore, that's what it re represents. Another explanation that I noted is that the name David is spelled Dalid Vav Dalid. It's fascinating to recognize the letters of his name in Greek. Delta, Ypsilon, and Delta make up the body of the Magin David. If Delta is the same thing. If you put your hand out um, as if you're pointing with your finger and, and holding your thumb as far out as you could, you'll see a Dalid. And you'll also, if you put your hand underneath that, you'll, you'll turn it into a, um, a triangle. That's what a Dalit is. It's a triangle. And a delta is a triangle. Look at the delta airlines, their sign. Um, the epsilon is kind of like a upside down Y with like an X-like, which is kind of like a Vav. If you take a look, you'll see. So what ends up coming together is that this Muggain David is actually two deltas on top of each other. And you could see that Vav in the middle as well. So additionally, translation of Dalit means door. And tra so the translation of the word Vav, the letter, means hook. So David thus means a door hooked or connected to another door. What does that mean? What I think it means is like this. As Jews, we believe that this world is a preparatory room in which we learn Torah and perform mitzvos in order to achieve great reward in the world to come. King David uses this world in a way that he connects himself in this life and his experience to the next world and remains connected to Hashem forever. He, in essence, bridged the two doors and brought them together. He used his life to the fullest and reached perfection in the next world, of course. This is precisely the reason that King David will be the one who volunteers to leave the Zimun benching when Mashiach comes and the him eat from the great meal of the Leviathan. See explicitly the Gemara Psachim 119b. David's life embodied a full connection and commitment to Hashem. David lived his life with a deep and emotional recognition that Hashem was protecting him, guiding him, and providing him with all the exact events that he needed in life to make him grow and achieve his best. This applied even when he was facing the greatest challenge of all mankind. Now, there's, very, there's, there's a very fascinating point, which is that you find a shalshelis in this capital. If you look in um, Pasuk Gimel, Rabim Omrim Lenavshi, Ein Yeshua Salo Be'elokim Sela. Many people have told me to give up. There is no salvation from God. And Yeshua Yeshua has a shalshelis. Now, many people are familiar with the shalshelis. It appears four times in Chumash. That one. And, and Parshas Vayera. It's in Chayasara as well. Vayomer. And then, of course, the Vayimayin, which we had recently in Vayimayin, is uh, Yosef refusing to sin with um, Ishus Potiphar. Vayimayin. And Vayishchat in Parshat Sav, 823. Now, there are other places in Tanakh, in, in Nach that it appears. For example, in uh, Yeshaya, and also in Amos and in Ezra, and then it's found uh, numerous times. I saw one person said it was around 39 times um, throughout Mishle and Tehillim, etc. I don't have the exact number, but I'll try to point them out as they come up here, and if you find them, you could also see. So there's a famous shot that's well known from, it's actually from Yos Rabbi Yosef Ibn Kaspi, who's very famous, in his Pirish on Beratius in 1916. He says explicitly that Shalshalis conveys a uncertainty and indecision. Um, there are many other people that actually say that it represents a delay, like for example, um, 
uh, Lot had a hard time leaving by his mama. He delayed leaving um, Sodom because his daughters were there and he also didn't want to leave his money. Like Hazal explained, so there's a certain delay. Um, but there's something very fascinating. It's also been pointed out, uh, there's an essay by Mordechai Breuer uh, called Tamei HaMikra, which is very fascinating. And he points out that oftentimes Shalshalos is only found at the beginning of a, of a Pusik, and he explains why that is. And it's a fascinating point, but it's clearly not true in this Pusik. So I don't know how, what it, why this is an exception, but it happens to be that the it could be that all he's explaining was how it works in Torah, because Nevi'im Ksuvim Trump has slightly different words, just like it has uh, rules, sorry, just like it has slightly different um, intonations as well. So anyway, long story short, um, if you take a look at this Pusik, Yeshuasa, the salvation of God, it has the word Shalshelis. What does that mean? That means that there's a delay, that you don't always see the salvation of God. And sometimes it's a contorted path until I get there. But David remains steadfast in his belief that nonetheless, Rabbim Umrim Lenafshi, many people tell me to give up. And in Yeshuasa, lo, but look it's not, it's not going to happen. But nonetheless, I know that Yeshuasa, that that Yeshua, that that salvation of, of God, as as sometimes elongated the path and as um, complex the path, I know that I'll get there, which is the next passage. Hashem protects me, which is why I talked about the Magen Avram, Magen David. Kivodi Umeir Roshi, and Hashem, you you protect my dignity and you keep my head up. So just an interesting point when you read through Pesukim, you see the struggles of David Amalek. They're very real. And which is why Tillam is so moving to me. And this really has a tremendous impact. Thank you so much for listening. I know it was a little long today, but hopefully it was fascinating background. And I, I hope that Hashem should be miscobble all over Tula Sotova. Have a great week.